Section 21D Conflict Management Introduction Conflict is inevitable in every organization and is often necessary to reach high levels of performance. Dr. Kenneth Thomas, author of Conflict and Conflict Management, The Handbook of Industrial and Organizational Psychology, 1976, defines conflict as the, quote, process that results when one person or a group perceives that another person or group is frustrating or about to frustrate an important concern, end quote. Conflict involves incompatible differences between parties that result in interference or opposition. Such differences can motivate for positive change or decrease productivity. Destructive versus Constructive Conflict Conflict can be constructive or destructive and becomes destructive when it results in barriers to cooperation and communication. This destroys morale and diverts energy away from important tasks and initiatives. On the other hand, conflict can be constructive when managed effectively. Positive conflict results in problem solutions, greater understanding, and enhanced communication between individuals or groups. In the past, managers were trained to avoid conflict because of its negative repercussions. This continues to challenge managers today as they work feverishly to avoid it altogether. However, managing conflict effectively offers benefits to the organization, like reducing organizational chaos and stimulating work activity and productivity. Therefore, to manage conflict successfully, we must first understand some of the sources of conflict. Sources of Conflict Many factors may result in or increase the probability of conflict within an organization. These factors manifest themselves in combination with other factors, making it potentially difficult to identify the specific source of the conflict. Many researchers, however, agree that conflict originates with one or more of the following stimulants. Communication Factors We often hear that many problems occur due to a failure in, or a lack of, communication. However, on closer examination, this usually accounts for a very small portion of the conflicts reported. The real crux of the problem is miscommunication. For example, when communication is misinterpreted, inaccurate, or incomplete. For personnel to perform at their very best, they need constructive, comprehensible, and accurate information. Anything less results in frustration, stress, and failure. Remember, conflict is defined as frustration of an important concern, whether real or perceived. Consider your organization and the conflicts that erupted because of poor communication. Now consider what happens when the communication process fails altogether. Did the outcomes result in conflict? Structural factors. Size. Research shows that organizational size affects the people who work there. Like an elevator that reaches its maximum capacity, the larger the organization, the more people there is to cause and participate in conflict. With more personnel comes more opinions, perspectives, perceptions, etc. As a result, larger organizations may have unclear goals, more rigid structures, increased specialization, more levels of supervision, and increased opportunities for information to become distorted as it passes through each organizational echelon. Participation. The more people interact and participate, the more noticeable their differences become. This can also lead to disputes and conflict, partly because, although people may attempt to participate, does not necessarily mean their ideas are heard or accepted.
This rejection can spark frustration and conflict among members. However, this situation also has the potential to increase productivity if workers become more creative or competitive and search for better ways to enhance overall unit performance. This is productive conflict versus destructive conflict. We want people to challenge the status quo, to seek better ways to do business, and to continually improve processes. This supports our core value, excellence in all we do. Such efforts also support our service-before-self core value and that we must be willing to set aside old ways and personal differences in order to listen to the ideas of others, to include our newest airmen. We must be willing to change, put self-interests aside, and do what is right for the Air Force. Line Staff Distinctions Diverse backgrounds and roles can create conflict. According to Dr. Thomas, this is very noticeable in the line and staff functions because the roles are so different. Overall, line personnel are concerned with production and are usually more loyal to the company. Staff functions usually involve creativity. Therefore, staff personnel are usually more critical of the organization. Moreover, since there are usually different requirements for staff and line functions, there are different types of backgrounds for each. These differences in values, training, background, etc. can lead to conflict. Consider how line and staff personnel view organizational goals. Line personnel normally are more concerned with the immediate or short-range goals, whereas staff personnel are more concerned with long-range or strategic goals. These differences in background and viewpoints can trigger conflict. Rewards Earning rewards involves a level of competition, which can lead to conflict. Healthy competition is not the problem. However, the individuals and groups who perceive that the rewards were given unfairly or in favor of someone else can often lead to conflict. For example, one person or department receives recognition that others feel they deserved but did not receive. Resource interdependence Most likely, we have all had to compete for resources at one time or another. When people compete for scarce resources and each party feels they have a greater need, conflict may arise. Oftentimes, negotiations fail as each party assumes a directive or authoritarian position as they compete for the resource. Personal Behavior Factors Conflict can arise because of individual differences such as goals and objectives, perceptions, values, and personalities. Three such differences in particular may facilitate behaviors that cause conflict. Values, perception, and personality. Values Values are very important to people and will determine their behavior. When people's values are questioned, criticized, or opposed, conflict can result. Some values, such as religion and politics, seem to incite the biggest arguments and can lead to fights, but even less emotion-based values can cause conflict. For example, a worker who values high-quality work may see him or herself do a reward for the quality of the work. Conflict may occur if the unit emphasizes quantity over quality and rewards someone else instead. Perception Values also affect how people perceive situations and other people. If a person perceives others as lazy and incompetent, how he or she responds to that perception may cause problems. A person's perception of what constitutes fairness, quality of work, or constructive techniques can lead to conflict if these perceptions differ significantly from others or what the organization has defined for those factors. Personality 
We have all heard about people who couldn't get along because of a personality conflict, and this isn't uncommon. Put certain personalities together, and you are asking for conflict. Two personality types especially conflict-prone are the highly authoritarian individual and the low self-esteem individual. The highly authoritarian personality may antagonize coworkers by escalating otherwise trivial differences. The low self-esteem personality may feel threatened by others and therefore overreact. Either type of behavior can create interpersonal conflict in an organization. Five styles of conflict management. Now that we have an idea of what conflict is and what causes it, we can examine some ways to manage it. In the book, Conflict and Negotiation Processes in Organizations, Handbook of Industrial and Organizational Psychology, 1992, Dr. Thomas suggests five major conflict management styles, competing or forcing, collaborating, accommodating, avoiding, and compromising. Dr. Thomas uses a two-dimensional framework to compare these styles. The first dimension refers to the degree of cooperation a manager exhibits, measuring from uncooperative to cooperative. The second dimension measures assertiveness on a scale from non-assertive, passive, to assertive, active. Being cooperative refers to how willing a person or group is to satisfy the other's needs. For example, If person A gives in to the needs of person B, person A is considered cooperative. If person A assumes a my-way-or-the-highway approach, he or she is considered uncooperative. From these two dimensions, we can devise a way to manage conflict based on the situation. Just as situational leadership is based on task and relationship behavior, conflict management is situational and is based on assertive and cooperative behavior. With this in mind, let's look at the five styles used to manage conflict. Competing or forcing. This style attempts to overwhelm an opponent with formal authority, threats, or the use of power. Its underlying features are being highly assertive and uncooperative. Collaborating. The collaborating style involves an attempt to satisfy the concerns of both sides through honest discussion. Creative approaches to conflict reduction, such as sharing resources, may actually lead to both parties being materially better off. For this style to be successful, trust and openness are required of all participants. This style is high in assertive behavior and high in cooperation and seeks a win position for both groups. Accommodating The accommodating style combines low assertiveness and high cooperation. At the simplest level, this style may merely involve giving in to another person's wishes. Avoiding. The combination of low assertiveness and low cooperation leads to an avoiding style. The person implies that he or she will appear to be neutral, and it may not always be possible to adopt a truly neutral position, but a manager may nonetheless prefer to avoid the situation. Although a manager who avoids difficult issues is likely to be resented by his or her airmen, this strategy may be effective under certain circumstances. For example, a manager may initially stay out of a disagreement to avoid escalating the conflict during a particular phase of development. Later, when he or she judges the time is right, the manager may take a more active role in finding a productive solution. 
Experienced managers recognize that action is not always necessary because some problems dissipate over time or are resolved by other organizational processes. For example, an intense conflict between two airmen may seem to require intervention by their manager. If the manager knows that one of the individuals will soon be transferred to another department or promoted to another position, ignoring the situation and letting the impending changes resolve the difficulty may be the best solution. Compromising This style involves intermediate degrees of assertiveness and cooperation to partially satisfy both parties' desires and achieve a middle ground. To successfully compromise, both parties must be willing to give up something. Compromising is common during labor and management disputes. Applying conflict management style When deciding which style of conflict management to use, consider a few additional factors. First, consider who you are dealing with. When dealing with a supervisor or a peer, the competing style of conflict management may not be applicable. Also, doubtful any of us could force our commander in a conflict situation. On the other hand, competing may work for a subordinate. You have the legitimate power to enforce a policy. So, knowing who is important in deciding the style you can use. Another factor is determining how critical the issue is, also known as the stakes. If the issue is critical, you may wish to use the avoiding style at first to carefully consider the options or gather more data. However, because the issue is critical, you cannot avoid it for long. Sooner or later, you will have to confront the issue. Also, if the situation is critical and you know you are right, you may need to use the competing style to force your position. Conversely, if the issue is trivial, you could avoid it or even accommodate the other party. Remember to always consider the stakes in the issue. The final factor is the situation itself. In an emergency, the competing style might be necessary because there simply is not enough time to collaborate or compromise. You also cannot avoid an emergency. However, if time is not an issue and the parties are willing to discuss the matter, collaboration may be the best way to deal with the conflict situation because it works best for everyone. Although people may consider some styles of conflict management more effective, for example, collaborating versus avoiding, all of the conflict management styles are useful depending on who, the stakes, and the situation. Using these five styles allows us to successfully manage conflict, reduce disorder and chaos, and facilitate creativity and innovative problem solving. Being a conflict management specialist is just another one of the many responsibilities of managers.